Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome in, everyone. We have Brenton here from Talking League, who finished in eighth position last year and had an absolute blinder. So I wanted to get him on here today to talk through a little bit around his strategy and I thought it'd be great to have someone on here that we can bounce ideas off and uh, sort of, you know, go back and forth as to what we think sort of the ultimate overall strategy is going into 2024. And if it has differed at all, in your opinion, mate, compared to that of 2023, welcome in, mate. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having us. Um, Mate, the thought, the thought from my perspective hasn't really changed because I've kind of had the same strategy that I've gone in every year, which is first six rounds, go gangbusters, try and find the value. Uh, do you, we obviously had to do buy planning last year, so that was another element. Um, and essentially going off the theory that the guns of the past are guns for a reason. So like your Payne Haas, Harry Grants, Nathan Cleary. So they're guys you either want to start with or guys you want to aim to get for end of year. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. With the buyers, with the regular buyers each and every week, did it sort of does your strategy around that change much coming into this year? Uh, not so much from last year. I think the the basic principles need to stay the same with not having too many players from the same team. Uh, if they're going to have early buy rounds, and depending on what they are, like uh, we go on a lot better at the Canberra Raiders, obviously because they've got a lot of cash cows. Mm-hmm. I think they're one team that you are allowed to have more than the kind of two or three players because you have the room to earn your money and then get off them by the round 10 buy that they have. Um, and yeah, just essentially going for the value. Um, and I, I don't think much changes, to be honest. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think we probably over-indexed on it a little bit and worried about it at certain times. Hey, if it was sort of, you know, five or six weeks out, that's you know, so much changes, doesn't it, in in sort of three or four weeks, for sure. Um, something I was looking at just playing around with my team myself was that with the Storm round four buy, if we're looking at potentially a Harry Grant, if Sean Bloor gets that spot and then having Pap as well, do you think that would be too many or are you looking to like, that might still be okay. You just have to have a bit of a plan in place. Yeah, I think that's too many, okay. uh, especially for such an early buy. Mm. Uh, because if you think about it, those guys are three fifty to 60 point scorers and who are you going to replace them with? Like on your bench, like Danny Levi, Kyle Flanagan, you mm. know, Nick Cottridge, if he's got the spot, you're going to be running those basement guys 
who are going to maybe score you a 10. Is it really worth it? No, I don't think so. And I think there's better alternatives. Not, not so much for Pappenhausen, because I think he's a lock-in, but I think there's better alternatives for Harry Grant. Yep. <clears throat> and there's um, similar options for Sean Bloor, like a... Uh, you know, like Angus Crichton, if he gets the role, or Sean Lane. Like, there's those guys in that price range who can score the same, and then you can make your choice that way. Yeah, I think for me, it was it was Harry Grant was the one to make way, and yeah, you got Robsons, the JMKs. You know, obviously it helps that we've got either a hands or a Lussick as well in a hook position, uh, for sure. Anything against what the ten keys to success I've got here, mate? So, sort of playing the the schedule early in terms of you know, is it a soft draw or a hard draw? Um, is a bit of a mistake because team form is a bit too volatile. Do you agree with that? Uh, yes and no. I think it depends on the player uh, and what they've done in, in the previous years. So uh, the example that comes to mind straight off this is Nico Hines because mm-hmm. he's a million-dollar player. Um, everyone's going to have Cleary, but do you want to run a Cleary and Hines? And the thing that keeps Hines in my team right now is his schedule. Um, you know, Again, as long as he's got goal-kicking, got all those kind of er- extra areas that we know he's going to go guns at, He's got the results there to have like an 86, 87 average in the bottom eight teams from last year. So in that case, then yeah, I think that's it's a good opportunity to essentially buy someone like that. But if there's other players who haven't proven themselves and then just because they've got a soft draw, it, it probably isn't the tie break for me. Okay. So yeah, if you're looking at examples that come to mind are like the Val Holmes and these types of guys who have done it for a lot of years with those guys that you can go, Oh, maybe they can get that extra uptick. Whereas other guys it's like, Oh, they could sort of go five or 10 points under there where they're priced at as well. Yeah. Well, it also depends on essentially the recruits, I guess that um, certain teams have like, just cause they have an easy draw. Does that mean that they're going to be a good team? Mm. Uh, so a few, few different things that you have to weigh up in that, in that regard. Definitely. Uh, number two, obviously the dominant playmaker, is undefeated. We saw that very clearly last year with um with SJ, you know, guys like Tanner Boyd and the like. Yeah, I I a hundred percent agree with this. I think half is half is the new hooker. Like hooker five years ago, you'd have a four bench hooker because yeah. that's where your points were going from. But now you've got you know if you look in the, in the draft boards, you know five or six, maybe even seven of the top twelve players are all halves. Mm. You got Mitch Moses, Cherry Evans, Sean Johnson, Nathan Cleary, uh, buddy. Uh, Nico Hines, you know, there's all these guns. And then there's guys who can provide you that value, like your Jamal Fogarty's, potentially Matt Burton's. Um, I, I think that I think that's where you need to essentially invest a lot of your money in from the start uh, because there is other options in different positions that you can get those mid-rangers that can, can do a job for you. Definitely. Obviously, yourself being a Dogs fan, mate, I, I was interested in your thoughts on Burton. If If you saw a few teams that had him to start with, would you push them away? Yeah, I would. Um, okay. I'd be pushing him to Jamal Fogarty because Fogarty, that's, everything is there for Fogarty to, to succeed because now he's the dominant playmaker, you know, outside KO Weeks or Ethan Strange or whoever gets that six jersey. He gets the goal kicking back. So he was already scoring 46 without all the extra kick meters, without the goal kicking, without the dominant play stats with potentially setting up tries, maybe playing both sides of the field. Whereas Matt Burton had a different type of playmaker come in being a Toby Sexton or potentially your mate Drew Hutchison this year, yes. uh, where they will be taking points off him. Um, he could also potentially lose the goal kicking because you got Stephen Crichton in there. you got Blake Taffins in there. Toby Sexton, if you know, there's, there's much more risk in Burton than there is in Fogarty. And if you want a tiebreaker, Fogarty has a later buy. Definitely. 
Hooking position this year obviously has changed a little bit now that we know that, as I said, that hands or elastic is going to be there as, as sort of cover for you. In that spot, given there's only one player um, and obviously in the starting team and you don't want to miss out on, on being sort of 20 or 30 points behind, is the hooking position somewhere you're trying to get 10, 12, 13 weeks out of a certain guy before moving them on and, and kind of spending less trades in the hook position? Yeah, not at the moment because uh, I guess I've I've tried to spread the cap a little bit more because we don't have the cheap centers this year. So every every year that I've tried to do it, I've tried to go under three hundred k per center, and it just is not playing out this way yeah. this year. So um, with us getting the the gift of Brad Arthur coming out telling us about Joey Lussick or Brendan Hands getting that role, um, I think if Joey Lussick gets the role. I just I'm going to plug him in with Brandon Smith on the bench to cover two different positions, but if you're wanting to go upwards, I think you got to, you got to pick it stick a little bit, and I actually think Reese Robson's probably one of the better shouts. Yeah, yeah, definitely a little bit a little bit upside at if anything. Hey, uh, number five, obviously, be quick to act when a talented youngster gets an opportunity. How many times have you seen that happen across your years playing fantasy, mate? Where they if they get that chance, they usually take it and they make a lot of money. Yeah, I think you need to jump on these early because if you miss them on the one week, then you're going to be not only 30 or 40 grand behind the pack, but you're also going to be those points that they scored in that week. Uh, example last year was Corey Horsburgh. As soon as he got that lock roll, he was, I think it was 623K off memory. Um, yeah. And we saw what he did. He was a season end keeper, um, but people who waited that week started to pay like 670. And that means they're also a week behind on potentially getting another gun because you've only got a certain amount of trades per week. So um, I think you know, use the eye test and see see how they're going. See if you see them in a role like that for a long time, if there's any commentary from coaches or did he just look better than the pre- the predecessor? Um, and then you just, yeah, jump on and have a bit of faith. Definitely. On your bench, mate, are you looking for more forward and, and sort of halves cash cows over having sort of cover in the outside backs, let's say? Yeah, with, with cash cows, because I think you still want to have your value picks in that 14 through 17. Yep. And I generally don't spend too much on the 18 other uh, night yeah sorry 18 through 21 mm-hmm. um i did change my team this morning and put <laughs> Cole flanagan at 18 okay. which is the most expensive player that i've had in my 18 through 21 mm-hmm. um you need to find those nuggets of gold so like your sam hughes you know phil gould comes out talks talks him up like he did jake Preston last year um, even I think Jacob Caraz did a podcast as well, and he signaled out Sam Hughes. So all of a sudden, you've got two sources saying a 250K player could potentially be a gun. Um, the other thing coaches, I think, need to be wary of is not wary of, I should say that, but uh, need to not not be worried that, oh, my 250K player isn't scoring 40s. Mate, if you can get a 250K player who's scoring low 30s, yeah, it's still a gold mine, mate. Just yeah. let them let them sit on the emergencies. You know they're going to be getting the consistent scores, and as soon as they peak out, you do you go off and do it again. Beautiful, mate. Just um, having a quick look at your side there. How many guys do you have under three hundred k? Because last year in my starting team, I worked out. I think I had seven. Yeah, seven under two hundred fifty k. It was so. Let's just say yeah, two two eighty and down. If you're looking at like a lever or something, sort of looking back on my starting team from last year. It would have been eight at 250K or below that would have been sort of the best starting side. In my current one, I actually have five under that mark. Um, maybe again, just because we don't have the options at, at, at present. How many are you looking at the moment? And, and do you think we'll get a couple extra just naturally? Yeah, I've got six at the moment under 300. Okay. 
um, but it's pretty well going to be the same ones that everyone has, or yep. at least 80%. Um, I think the issue is, well, last year, there was a lot of guys at 230 to 250 who mm. were viable options, like Paul Alamotti, you know, Harley Smith-Shields, in theory, was. Yeah. Uh, Matt Dury, My in theory, stuff. was. Yep, exactly right. Jacob Preston, uh, Bryce Cartwright, uh, Khan Pereira, like all these guys yeah, who, wow. who talked up. But so there was a lot more range for us to pick those 250 to 300k players because we had an idea of what they were. This year, I apart apart from Chevy Stewart, KO Weeks, I and maybe Sam Hughes, I don't think there's any slam dunks in the, in those cheapies. Yeah. So if that's the case, and let's just say it ends up being five or six that end up playing and sort of have a, a decent role that are going to make some money. Does that mean we do have to look into more of the mid-range category? I think so. And I think this year we've, um, it's the same as last year, we got blessed with a lot of mid-range edges. Uh, so there's going to be the likes of Brendan Piakura, who's who should be, you know, 50% owned minimum. Uh, Sean Bloor, one of the Roosters' edges. Josh Schuster, if he makes the spot. Um, Sean Lane, Fatala Mariner. Like there's all these yeah. guys who have... If, if they all get their spots, then they've all got uptick of 150 to 200K. And you can spread that out in the areas that are pretty hard to fill. Like, like I, I find center this year, I'm actually having to go someone who's almost 600 grand yeah. because there's no option that I feel safe in having. Does that mean you have to probably sacrifice a Cam Murray, a Payne Haas, like a, a Harry Grant, obviously that, that type of price range, you have to probably sacrifice one of them that we would normally have in our team like last year or the year before? Yeah, I think this year you have to, um, yeah. especially with the um, with the million dollar price tag that's put on Cleary and Hines, because I think there's I think there's Cleary one, Daylight second, Hines third, and then there's Daylight again. Yeah, um, I I don't I, Hines is such a clear second to me, to the point where I don't even think Payne Haas is a must have. Yeah, yeah, and no, I'm I'm looking at that myself a little bit more too, just just for that reason because they have a lot of those mid rangers and it. it in previous years, it's been a negative for the most part, like the kind of, oh, we're not sure, and they, um, mid-rangers and, you know, the Carrigans and these type of guys we had at, at 700K last year, didn't we? That And obviously, Payne Haas was undervalued last year based on his injuries the year before. So we don't really have those top-tier guys that are that have that undervalued nature. So it might be that we do go for a few of the middies, which will be um, which will definitely be interesting for sure. Uh, last one to follow there, mate, was uh, so don't be afraid to follow the crowd just don't be late. So yeah, jumping on those guys that become very, very popular, but you were, you were, you're touching on jumping on them after that first week. Sort of, if you miss that second week, how much are you falling behind there? Well, you're not only falling behind that, that money that you could have made, but you've also fallen behind um, the scores that they're getting. So my theory is that the, the higher percentage players are higher percentages for a reason. There's a lot of people who do a lot of research and the stats are out there for us to find mm. to make an informed decision. Um, we actually, in one of the last podcasts that we've recorded, uh, we used the example of Payne Haas versus Isaiah Yo. Mm -hmm. okay? there's, only a there's only a 10 grand split between them, um, but there's a percentage ownership of a difference of like 38%. So in that case, well, is it worth going a, a pod in Isaiah Yo, who you know is going to be, you know, consistent 60 point scorer potentially uh, has an earlier buy and they're both going to play origin or do you just spend up 10 K and go with the pack for the guy who's got the higher upside? Yeah, that one's that one can be 
come a little bit more simple, especially with that with that buy being in there for sure. But um, yeah, there's a lot of guys in that 550k. Like you can talk the lanes, the the Crichtons, all those kind of guys, and you can sort of again do that for those two guys as well, which would be fun. Uh, mate, we're going to start in and have a look about sort of structuring your team now. I've got my couple of, of rules when setting up my squad. I'm usually looking at definitely picking my captain first. And then you're probably looking at that second guy, especially with you know Hines and Cleary guys having a buy in round five and six. You do need a, a secondary good scorer, likely from round one, or you're looking to trade them in from round that round five or six. But we know how things go, mate. Um, Sometimes our plans don't always work, do they? No, that's it. You need. I think you need to have... Well, you obviously have to have minimum two big-time scorers um, to, to take over for that captaincy. But I think you need to be making sure that if you're undecided, so let, let's just say Cleary and Hines, you're running with them. Yep. My rule would generally be if they're both averaging the same, captain the guy who plays first. Okay, yep. Because at the end of the day, if one's playing on a Thursday and it's Hines, but you thought, oh, Cleary might go better and Cleary's playing on Sunday, all of a sudden, Cleary gets ruled out. And it's like, well, should I have actually done that? Or put him as vice captain. And then if mm-hmm. Cleary's out, then at least you know that that player has played first. Yeah, okay. Did, does that really, um, does that strategy work for anyone else other than sort of having both of them? Or would you do that with a Haas or something like that? Or not really? Yeah. Uh, uh, depending on the situation. I think yeah. I think this year for round one is actually the perfect situation yeah. because of the Broncos playing in Vegas. That way you get your vice captaincy out of there. Um, or if you're happy to even just captain him, you get your captain out of there. And then when the team lists go back live again and you can make your changes, if Cleary gets randomly rubbed out for whatever reason, yeah. then you've got that million dollars to play with rather than being stuck with him until round two. That one's super interesting. I heard Jace talking about that on the on the Broncos pod. And um, yeah, it's definitely something to ponder. And it's obviously, I suppose, in, in- Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Fantasy, you do have to think of all the possibilities, right? Because um, yeah, that's why we end up racking our brains and we and we and we lose sleep thinking about our teams, right? <laughs> oh, uh, yes, we do. Yeah, so I got number three there, mate. Sort of making sure that everyone above that 350k mark has a super clear role. And and myself last year, taking sort of you know the Egan Butchers that yes, they had the clear role, but like it wasn't something they'd played too much of before. So those type of things is kind of where I'm going at with with this one. Um, are you are you of the same note there? Yeah, I think so, mate. Uh, it's It goes back into that rule that you had about don't be afraid to go with the pack. At the end of the day, you've you've done the research, you know, like Brendan Piakura, who's under 400, but he has got a clear role. Uh, 
Tavita Totola. He's under 500k, but he has got a clear role. So they've also scored previously well, either in the past or in their last few games to solidify those roles. So me as a conservative coach and wanting to be sure of my players, uh, I 100% agree with this. Yeah. And yeah, looking at options in obviously Sean Lane, that's where a lot of his appeal is, right? Like we're not sure how he's going to look and trials are going to help us with that, but we know that that's his spot, right? If you're looking at Ruben Cotter and, and Adam Elliott, they're all awkward prices, but you know that they're a focal point of their teams, right? So can you, can you go in picking them, not stressing too much because of that reason? Yeah, pretty much. I am. Um... The other part of it is that they all have been guns at some stage in their careers for right. fantasy. So R- Ruben Cotter, you know, uh, you cast your mind back 12 months ago, people were buying him round one at 744K, I think he yeah. was, um, which is wild because he's 160-odd grand less than that. And if people are still wondering, oh, is he worth it? Well, where were you last year kind of thing? So mm. that that's kind of the way that I go with it is that if they're proven guns, they've done it before and they've had a decrease i guess the saying is uh was it buy in gloom and sell in boom so if you're buying them on a down but you know what they can do there's a bit of better upside for them yeah definitely um probably goes along with my point six there the 500 to 650k range are the most dangerous because they could kind of just plod along that same but exactly what you said there that those two guys in that range you're looking to either they have the potential moving club like a sean Bloor, these types of guys they have had injuries and they've been there in the past, like the Lanes, the Elliots, the Cotters and the like. So there, there's a decent amount of players in that range that are probably less dangerous than we've seen in the past. Would that be right? Yeah. I, I also don't mind taking the mid-rangers more so because if they do flop, you can generally find a cash cow and you're not having to scramble up the extra salary cap to then replace them. So if anything, you buy a player at 500 and he fizzes, but you find a 250 player who's gone gangbusters, you know, that it goes a tiny bit different ways, but you've made yourself 200 grand and you can spread that cash elsewhere. Yeah, it's definitely not not a big issue. Is it? As long as you don't hold on too long, right? Because that can be one you're like, oh no, don't trade them out. You know, the three date, your three date rule, as you guys speak about. But how, how <laughs> quick... Up... Sorry, go on. Uh, so no, I was going to say, I'll give you the perfect example. And I got crucified by this on the Talking League boys. Yeah. It was when I traded Lachlan Miller and Magic Round. Yeah, well, it because... worked out great, didn't it? So. Worked out absolutely perfect. He was on the decline. Um, people were saying, oh, no, he's going to be your round 13 fullback for buy planning and everything like that. He, he could be on the up. And I was like, no, nah, I, I just I don't see him holding that spot um, and got rid of him early. And everyone else had to get rid of him when he was 100 grand less. Yeah. Um, and they were scrambling for the buy rent. So, yeah. But yeah, which is exactly what I did. And um, yeah, so is that what you're, what you're thinking with these type of range guys? It's like, okay, I got it wrong or it's not as good as I thought it was going to be make the change after that first or second week at worst. Yeah, exactly right. And trust your gut because at the end of the day, I, I did that. And the player I traded him out for was Corey Horsburgh. Yeah. Which is amazing. You know, I, yeah. I spent a hundred grand and all of a sudden Corey Horsburgh is at 800 K and Lachlan Miller is not in the team. Mm. And yeah, trust. Yeah. You're you saying trust your gut, trust what you're watching. And, and I suppose if you're watching them and going, Oh, it just doesn't look right. Like I, I look at, you know, look back at like a Trent Liero last year. And that's one where I probably, I held a bit too long and he didn't have the upside. Whereas like, I suppose if it, you know, if you do trade them a little bit earlier than you probably wanted to, then they, they probably still aren't going to hurt you too much anyway. Hey, they might make you that extra 50 K. They might score a 55 one week, but then they're back to the lower score. And it, 
it hardly hurts you. So yeah, I think that's a that's a great way to think about it, mate. Um, obviously my seventh one where it was going cheap in center wing, uh, sorry, center and uh, end wing fullback never hurts you. But uh, this year could be a little bit interesting. And yeah, so you obviously at the moment, you, you have the, what, Penasini, I imagine. And then are you looking at another cheapie or are you looking, have you got money in the second spot as well at the moment? Uh, no, I've got Penasini. Uh, again, that change only happened this week because I just, I, Every time I looked at my standards, I was like, I just don't trust that. Mm. I don't trust Ethan Strange right now to maintain a spot because I think everyone's trying to cram those Raiders, like four players into two different positions. Um, and I think when Seb Chris comes back, like, I, even if Ethan Strange gets the left center role, he only has it for one week. So I think he's going to be a trap. Ben Trevojevic could be a trap. So I, I, I think this year is one of the harder ones um, unless someone comes out of the clouds and saves us. So I think you do need to spend a bit of money on the centre this year. The good news is that I don't think you have to spend much money in wing fullback. Mm. Yeah, that could be that could be definitely helpful. The next one there is is talking about having having cover in centre. I think it's obviously a bit overrated given the centre is uh, centre position is tough. But let's give you an example here of let's just say you're looking at Jacob Rillo or the Hammer. Right, they have a buy in round three. You wanted to slot them in your centre position. Round three comes around, you do need someone to replace them. So what? What would your theory be if you were really hot on one of those guys? How would you structure your team accordingly? Or are yeah. you looking to trade someone in in round three? Oh, no, because you're not giving your guns enough chance. Like if you're buying an Avarillo or a Hammer, you'll be hoping that they'd be season-long keepers because you don't want to play center roulette where you waste all your trades in center. It's the worst position in fantasy. You just don't <laughs> do it. So I'd be going, if you're going Hammer, I'd be going looking at an extra 20K, you go Panasini who doesn't have a buy till round nine, won't play origin. Um, but the other strategy I'll be doing is finding someone who's potentially cheaper, like a 250 to 260K player, if they can get a wing fullback center drill where you only have to plug them in the one week. So like your Nick Cottridge's, your Tommy Talao's, if they get the spots, they're not they're not good picks and they're not good fantasy players, but you only need them for that one week. And I, I can't tell you how many times this year that Cottridge got me that extra 20 points <laughs> that I was never going to have. And that ended up catering to a decent overall score. So that's why he's in your team this year. You just got a bit of a bit of love for him. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right. Mate, to finish it off here before we have a quick look at, at the squad there, and you touched on it there with the dual position players, how big of a factor do you place on on DPP? Uh, it's, it's a factor. It's not the be-all that end-all because at the end of the day, you want to pick the best squad who you think can score the most points and make it, or make you the most money. So as long as you've got cover, uh, so, again, we, we had Hopgood last year. So, perfect mid-edge cover. Brandon Smith, even though everyone had him at least 14 times, he had hooker mid. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you can maybe get a guy like a wing fullback half or maybe if Josh Schuster played, you got an edge half. So, I think they're quite important to have, especially because of the buy rent since the Dolphins came in. Uh, but I still think you pick the best player. Um, and as long as you've got some form of cover, even three eighteen through 21, uh, then you'll be fine. Yeah, I suppose something I was just think, thinking about then when you were talking was through that buy period when you had to get 13 people in the exact correct position, that sounds like yep. that's when the dual position is the best, right? Early on the year when exactly. you've got that 21, you like playing or close to it, 18, 19, 21 each week, um, it's less important, right? Yeah, exactly right. And those those buy rounds are killers um, oh. for that. But it's, yeah, 
I'll tell you what, you, you, uh, the video that you guys did, uh, that helped me tremendously because I had no idea about planning for buys until like round eight or nine. And then <laughs> it was like, oh, I better actually think about this because I'm going all right. And it ended up working out really well. Yeah, I really enjoyed that video. Poor Mark didn't like, didn't take his own advice, but that's... um. Nah, he never <laughs> I, does. We all took his advice and did well and he went the other way, the poor bloke. But, yeah. um, didn't he rebuy Alamotti as well? Yeah. I think? <laughs> yeah. Crazy so, man. That was funny. Um, yeah, anyway, so yeah, jumping into into a team builder. So we spoke about, yeah, chucking your captain to start with and your vice. And and how do you tend to go about making a squad from there? Do you go top down? Do you look at sort of popping in the cheapies first? Talk us through it. Yeah, so normally I find probably like maybe three guns, maybe four, uh, who I'm just sold on 100%. So like your Cleary, maybe Payne Haas, maybe Harry Grant, depending on the position and depending on the depth in that position if you do not take that player. Uh, so example potential, I guess, we could use the hooker position. There's Harry Grant. And then there's a fair drop. Like I, I see you've picked in there Reese Robson. Mm. Uh, which I really, really like because I actually think both of them have value um, where they're not also just not just going to put, put you any, any poor scores. Uh, like Damian Cook, you know, Peter Mamazellis re-signed. So is Cookie still going to be an 80-minute hooker? We don't know. Jeremy Marshall King, he got shoulder issues. How's he going to go with that? He wants to play 80. Will Wayne Bennett do that? We don't know. Um, but then there's also your value picks as well that you can put on your bench to provide you the hooker cover, like your your Lussics or Hands, whoever gets the role, uh, or Brandon Smith, who gives you a dual position. Yeah, and you they're know, probably the bunch, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and I think with the yeah, interchanges as well, when you're looking at that, you need to try and cover at least the four main positions, being your hooker, mid-edge, and your half. I don't think your 14 through 17 needs to have wing fullbacks or centers in there. Yep. Yeah, something I um probably made a mistake on myself last year in, in having Tommy Till out. Obviously, it just didn't work for him. More chance this year at a better team, I think. But um, having him as cover just didn't really need. It wasn't needed. Like I, I didn't start with Cartwright. Got him in round two. But <laughs> like in hindsight, it's just like just get Cartwright and and sort out center or wing fullback if an injury comes up later, right? Yeah. yeah to be fair, I think everyone picked Dury over yeah. <laughs> um over Cartwright and then everyone realized their mistake was like oh that's right Cartwright's a way better footballer <laughs> and um, somehow but, both, but, mate, obviously you're lucky but... I, I started with Talao as well mate because at the yeah. end of the day it's the same theory is that you got a dual position guy who can sit in 21 and cover you if you need yeah <laughs> oh he covered well didn't he <laughs> yeah yeah so all those scores of eight loved him yeah I'll see if we've got plenty of time before um before round one, mate. We're getting close as of recording. We're 20 days. Under, we're almost in, under the 20, which is exciting. So three weeks away, which is awesome. So at this stage, we're, we're learning a little bit here and there. The trials will learn some more. But um, yeah, definitely do look out for another cheap year or two. I think that that's going to come. So I think really just the focus at this point, Brenton, and, and you'll uh, hopefully you agree with me, is just to learn at this point. So there's plenty of podcasts out there. Obviously, myself, the, the boys are talking league and the rest there where yeah, the information's all out there. Learn as much as you can. And do you sort of have a spreadsheet or a bit of an idea of sort of the guys that, you know, maybe uh, the 21, you've got like maybe 35 or 40 guys that you kind of would like in your side if it worked out and then you base it off the information that, that's provided. Do you have that? Yeah, not, not so much a spreadsheet for that. Normally my spreadsheets are working out values of what, what I'm projecting certain players to be at um, before I sell them or or how much money they're going to make or what round I'm going to bring them in. 
but normally, you know, the adding them to favorites on your on your actual app or on the on the desktop, uh, that's always a bit of a, a good handy point because you might hear something like you know from from one of your your videos or something from us at Talking League, where it's like, oh, that was a really really good point that he brought up about you know short lane. Reed mm-hmm. Marnie, so, someone like that, where oh, this this is where he has potential upside. So you chuck the starter on him, and then you could revisit it and say, okay, why was it that I was looking at that player? Um, and then you go back, and then you make an informed decision in that. Where do you where do you talk about? Oh, the star appeared. No, oh, there yeah. you go. So, I've actually yeah, never so used yeah. that. <laughs> yep. So if you if you get out of the Reese Robson thing now, so click on the X, and then in more options under the player pool. Yeah, click on more options. Yeah, no, you were just there. I guess so. Yep, and then you say show watch list. Oh, yeah. Down there, show watch list. And then whoever, well, you've got Reese Robson in your team, but if you deleted Reese Robson, it'll show Reese Robson in that list. Ah, okay. There you go. I never used that. Cool. There you go. There you go. Hopefully that helps everyone as uh, as well on that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I suppose any other pointers, uh, you know, making a round one team or heading into round one, mate, just the sort of most important things to, to finish us off? Yeah, I think it's looking for value picks. And I honestly think this year is probably in the last 10 years, I think this has got the best value range, like the mid-ranges, yep. where you, you've got a bit of a better idea. So uh, like your Tavita Satolas, Josh Currens, Ruben Cotters, uh, Pia Kura, Sean Ball. Sorry, I'm just reading off my team yeah, right you're good. now. Uh, Ryan Pappenhausen, um, Brandon Smith, whoever's the rooster's edge. Jamal Fogarty, Fatala Marino, if he gets the job. Kyle Flanagan, like there's so much value in all of those guys where it makes it easier to start picking your guns. Even like I'm running Cleary Hines right now and I've got no drama with it. I've got I've got fifty six K in the bank still running those guys. And I've I'm as long as Ben Trebojevic gets the edge spot over Schuster, I'm I'm stoked with how my team looks. Is that with a because, sorry, is that with the top tier mid at all? I miss that. No, no. I'm okay. running all all mid ranges, uh Cotter, Totola and Curran with Brandon Smith and Fatala Mariner on the fourteen and fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see both ways. I'm I'm leaning a little bit towards that myself. Uh, by the time this one comes out, you'll seen a you'll you'll have seen a little uh, team reveal, which will be which will be fun. But um, yeah, I think you can go both ways, right? As well, like Payne Haas is an interesting one given the way he starts, and and you're just guaranteeing those points, right? Which is kind of a good thing. And you know, Murray could be a little bit undervalued, but then you know, do you just go cheaper? So I I think it's going to be great this year in round one. If, especially if we don't get those sort of center or or wing fullback cheapies, depending on on what happens there, um, there could be a lot of different teams and and different little strategies that you could employ in round one. Hey, yeah, I think it's also going to be uh quite good for like diverse teams as well because at the end of the day, people go with the crowd and then all the experienced coaches. You've got like fourteen or fifteen players the same and not as fun. But this year, I think there's uh, there's so many different ways that you can construct your team where all the teams are going to be different. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be plenty of fun. Mate, big thank you for coming on to this one. I felt I went absolutely amazing. Um, guys, if you haven't looked into the private group yet, please uh, jump in and look at that one. Obviously, plenty of competitions, plenty of advice from from top coaches in there as well. And uh, make sure you go check out Talking League. I'm sure a lot of you listen to myself and uh, and the boys there as well. And geez, uh, there's an army of you. It's it's different guys in every podcast, right? Yeah, I think we've got eleven at the moment. I was um, we just recorded a uh, show with Robbo, and it's just there's eleven guys. They just they all fit in seamlessly. So yeah, give us all a listen, and um, yeah, you keep up the good work as well, mate. Thank you, mate. Yeah, I hope people enjoyed the um, me actually talking to someone, not myself for once, which was good. But um, <laughs> yeah, awesome guys. Thanks for that, and we'll see you in the next one. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 